0: University? No, no. I got uh, my master's through Liberty. Master's through Liberty. Maybe I should let him, him. go. <laughs> in. Um, we know him
1: through uh, Mars Hill Fellowship, the church I'm a part of. Uh, we kind of do some uh, stuff together. Uh, we brought him in to preach a few times. Uh, I've taken some classes from him, uh, and just getting to know the guy, he's really he's really been a profound influence in my life. In the area of uh, philosophy, just learning uh, about different philosophical systems, uh, especially in the area of uh, philosophy of religion, I'd say uh, I'd say just within the state of Washington, he's probably uh, in terms of Christian philosophers, I'd say one of one of the best to go to in the area of uh, philosophy of religion. Uh, definitely knows his stuff. Uh, I just want to make some quick announcements about uh, next quarter. Uh, We're still trying to decide whether or not, uh, or actually, how we're going to work the uh, Monday night meetings, but we are going to meet Monday nights probably in uh, Terry Lander Hall uh, at about 9 p.m. every Monday. We might do uh, something where we do, if we don't do a a straight Bible study where we're just going straight through a book every other week. We're going to do something like what we're doing now. Open it up for uh, some philosophical discussion uh, or maybe discuss some cultural issues some uh, issues that uh, political issues, whatever. But we're thinking about every other week sort of rotating forums and uh, possibly having myself and Mark it up and just take questions from people. And uh, whatever it might be, uh, so um, that's sort of our plan. We also uh, we're thinking about bringing in a guy named uh, Dwayne Gish. He's a uh, creation scientist who works with uh, the Institute for Creation Research, research down in California. I think it's in uh, San Diego, and uh, he's going to be coming up. Hopefully, we can get him to do. Uh, some kind of lecture and debate. It might not be at UW. We might we might just hold it at Mars but that'd be pretty fun. It'd be pretty interesting. And maybe Phil can get involved in that, but I'll go and let him take over.
0: Okay. Uh, well. uh, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here. Um, Chris uh, asked that I would just speak uh, on pluralism. and. Uh, it's, uh, it it's something that you know I've, I've read up on over the years and I've been interested in obviously as an apologist a defender of the Christian faith um, but the, uh, the the crazy thing about it is it's such a, a vague topic in that uh, in order to uh, explain what pluralism is and then attempt to refute it uh, you, you basically have to Get involved in just about every aspect of Christian apologetics there there is. So um, you'll have to forgive me that uh, a, a lot of what I'm going to say is just uh, you know there's going to be a lot of generalizations, a lot of um, uh, just give you like uh, kind of a an overview or just say well I I would defend this position at this point, and then not even go into a defense of that particular position. So it's 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 really something that entire. Uh, you know, uh, entire volumes uh, can be written on. Uh, First, let's define our terms. In the debate right now, it's basically between pluralism, inclusivism, and exclusivism within, uh, quote-unquote, Christian circles. Um, You could also add to this, by the way, universalism. Uh, You'll see when I conclude this uh, uh, brief lecture that... uh, uh the universal aspect has to be answered universalism teaches that everyone will eventually be saved or even possibly everybody is already saved okay and uh i think that's an important uh issue when dealing with pluralism because uh uh a lot of uh different forms of pluralism eventually dissolve into a, a universalism uh, whatever the case, pluralism is is basically the belief that all religions lead to God. Now, if you're like John Hick, the Protestant uh, pluralist, um, you would basically define religion in such a way that there's a difference between bad religions and good religions. So David Koresh's religion doesn't lead uh, to God, nor does... uh, uh, a traditional Satanist who wants to have human sacrifices and that type of thing, okay? Uh, now, whether John Hick is being consistent there with some of his other views is, is open to debate. Uh, Roman Catholic uh, pluralist was uh, Hans Kuhn. Um, in fact, he wrote a, uh, a paper for uh, the United Nations on... Uh, It's amazing that pluralism, the view that all religions lead to God, uh, it's becoming very, very exclusive. Now, exclusivism teaches that only one religion leads to God. An example of that is traditional Christianity, which says that salvation comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, But uh, uh, Kung actually argues that uh, we need one religion to unify all mankind and he proposes his pluralistic view but what he seems to be saying is that there needs to we need to set up the governments of this world need to set up some kind of penalties if people do not adhere to certain religious viewpoints that are in agreement with this pluralistic view and in the end his pluralism begins to sound very very exclusive exclusivistic but pluralism basically means all religions lead to god um, but they might not recognize certain belief systems as, uh, uh, as religions. Now, inclusivism is the halfway house between pluralism and uh, exclusivism. Inclusivism teaches that salvation comes only through Christ. Okay. However, uh, uh, Jesus may save people in non-Christian religions without their, the person having an explicit faith, in him. They could be anonymous Christians. In other words, if a person loves God with everything he's got and loves his neighbor as himself, uh, that person is is saved by Jesus even if he never heard the name of Jesus. That's the inclusivistic uh, position. A Roman Catholic scholar who held to this was Karl Rahner. Vatican II promoted this type of thinking as does uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, Carl Ranner, by the way, is the guy that uh, coined the phrase anonymous Christian, a guy who's a Christian but doesn't know it. Okay? Now, Hans Kung would ar- argue against Ranner that, well, who knows, maybe the Christian is just an anonymous Buddhist. That, uh, he, he's, ba- what, he, what, uh, uh Kung is was arguing for was that, uh, inclusivism takes so much away from Christ that you might as well go all the way to pluralism. Um, Protestantism, Clark Pinnock, whose, whose views are always in transition, um, he believes that uh, in order for a person to be saved, they've got to be saved by Jesus, but they don't have to know that. They, they might be saved uh, through some type of in- implicit faith without even knowing it. Um, exclusivism, this is the traditional view of Christianity, the view that only one religion leads to God. Uh, it... I don't, uh, I don't have time to really get into the scriptural passages. I have some listed here to show that traditional Christianity basically believes that this book, the Bible, is the Word of God, uh, and therefore bases its views upon this book. And uh, so it's very easy to show that traditional Christianity uh, is not uh, pluralistic. It does not teach that many faiths lead to God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John three sixteen to 18 tells us that those who trust in the Son of God for salvation are saved. Those who do not believe in him are judged, are condemned, or remain condemned. Um, verse 36 of John chapter 3 would say the same thing. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 23 and 24 Uh, basically uh, conservative scholars interpret that passage and and have done so for the last two thousand years as as Jesus saying uh, uh, I am God and unless you believe that I am God you will die in your sins very uh, exclusivistic obviously and then Acts 4.12 there is no name under heaven by which man can be saved other than the name of the Lord Jesus so it's not pluralistic but it's also not inclusivistic in fact, let, let me read at least one verse here. Um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. Um, now remember, the inclusivist says you, you have to be saved by Jesus, but you don't have to know it. Okay? You can be saved by Jesus without knowing it, uh, without uh, uh, explicitly trusting in him for salvation. First John 2:23 reads, "Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also." Another, you you can't have a relationship with God the Father without accepting the Son uh, as your Savior. Uh, This is also brought out in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 33. Christ says, "If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before." a father who is in heaven. So Mahatma Gandhi, who uh, uh, refused to acknowledge the deity of Christ, um, would be a a clear case of someone being outside of what the Bible refers to uh, as salvation. Luke chapter 10 verse 16 says the same thing, that uh, if you reject Christ, uh, or if you do not, not only if you reject prices I show you're out, you're not saved, but if you don't accept them, uh, these passages de- define you as outside of the biblical, uh, doctrine of salvation. Uh, now modern Christianity, it, it, I argue that it's actually, it's a new religion. It deserves a new name. When John Hick calls himself a Christian, uh, in actuality he means something different than what the church has meant by the term Christian for the last 2,000 years. Uh, it's basically, a, it takes on a politically correct view of toleration where, um, and see, that, hey, I am, as a Christian, I do not want to see Buddhists or Hindus imprisoned or Muslims or Jews imprisoned because they don't adhere to to the religious views that I hold to. So in that sense, I tolerate them. at the same time, if I really believe that Jesus... Said he that, that Jesus is God, and that he claimed to be the only way to be saved. Uh, then, basically, you know, I would teach people you have to accept Jesus to be saved. And uh, but the politically correct view is that you can't tell anybody that they're wrong on these areas. Uh, but then five minutes later, you find uh, uh, the same people condemning the historic Christian view. So it's kind of like. Uh, They claim to tolerate all views, but then in the end they can't tolerate uh, traditional Christianity. But this modern form of Christianity rejects the uniqueness of Christ, his deity, that he is God incarnate, and rejects his resurrection, and uh, also rejects the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible. In other words, they reject the Bible as being God's word totally without error. Uh, it rejects uh, salvation by God's grace alone, uh, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. So, so, so basically, you have a, a totally new religion. And so, uh, uh, when people like John Hick claim to be Christians, in actuality, uh, they're just promoting a new religion. In fact, it can be shown that John Hick's religious views are much more in line with traditional Buddhism than they are with traditional Christianity. Um, now. what I attempted to do there is put all the cards on the table now as far as which card you pick out and say well this is the card that I uh, uh, that I adhere to um... there's just not enough time to really get into this so I'm just gonna uh, run through this but basically it's the case for traditional Christianity I think you can make a case for the existence of absolute truth if we deny uh, the existence of universal, eternal, unchanging truth, uh, that denial itself would be... Uh, you know, in other words, say there is no truth, if that statement is true, uh, then it would also have to be false. It's a self-refuting statement. So there has to be some truth. Uh, that's just the way our minds work. That's the way things are uh, that uh, we have to assume absolute truth just to communicate. Uh, also, we can argue for man's ability to know truth uh, because the statement that man cannot know truth is a claim to know a truth, i.e., that man cannot know truth. Yeah. Um,
2: could you please talk a little bit more about realism? Mm-hmm. Cause
0: okay. As far as the. It, well,
2: the definition here already. Yeah. To. To god mm-hmm. I had a different
0: idea okay and it may be used in another sense that uh, what do you what sense do you use it in well, you you put god with a capital g assuming to one god mm-hmm. which is
2: monarchism.
0: well no it, it's it's actually yeah there, there's a you could probably slam me for a freudian slip there yeah there would be no problem I I'd, I'd admit to that uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, give a lecture on pluralism in 15 minutes, and uh, but basically all religions would lead to, you know, the Christian would call it uh, God. Uh, you might be able to say salvation. Uh, you know, obviously, if I threw in all religions lead to Nirvana, uh, there would be some objection So, so just just the fact, all I'm getting at is that all religions lead to some type of of uh, uh, salvific experience. So it's sal- salvation, basically. Uh, I kind of had
2: an idea sort of pluralism.
0: It's just
2: the fundamental you know, reality that there was more
0: than one. And that's that's a more of an, an epistemological, uh, more in in, in in the in the idea of knowledge and stuff. Yeah, and, and that's uh, what I'm dealing with. And I don't know if, if this is along the lines of what you were. We're, we're looking. At. I'm looking at more of the pluralism uh, debate within uh, uh, Christian, cir- professing Christian circles. Uh, but yeah, there are pluralistic views of reality, which go hand in hand with uh, uh, w- with this particular thing. In other words, uh, there's a sense where what you're talking about, your concept of, of pluralism, there's a, a sense where this leads to that, and that is an outgrowth of this. But there's also another sense where uh, what I'm talking about is uh, an outgrowth of that. So, but it's, it's a whole different view of reality. In other words, there is a cause and effect relationship there. There is a relationship. Um, what the Christian means by God really is, quick is
1: that you know, which is reality and which is true. So when we, when we say that, that all religions lead to God, Pluralist position. What we're saying is that all religions espouse the same uh, epistemology, or all religions claim
0: to be Well,
1: if you say religion, that,
2: like, that's only part of pluralism.
0: Yeah, and then that's the, the, the part I'm dealing with. But yeah, there is a, there is a wider picture to pluralism. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at this particular point, I'm not. And there, there's a whole different view of truth, uh, and, and that type of thing. And, and I, I personally, you know, consider it a, a an inconsistent view. I mean, just just to communicate, you assumes uh, the whole concept of absolute truth. Uh, but yeah, there is a, there is a whole you know wider picture to this. And uh, maybe in the question and answer period, maybe we can get to get a little bit into that. And uh, um, but yeah, whatever question
1: and answer period.
0: What's that? Was that?
1: There's going
0: to be a question and answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm. am going to try to wrap this up in five minutes, is uh, due to the time constraints, and then every. Then we're going to open it up for discussion. Yeah, I was okay. going to open it up for question and answer. Really. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no biggie, no biggie. Um, yeah, basically, on that pluralism defined as all religions lead to God. That's a good, solid, simplified Christian definition. Of what the other guy means when he says pluralism. Uh, at the same time, uh, even to define religion, if you had adherents from different religious views, you, you'd have uh, mass confusion because um, you know there are forms of Buddhism that uh, that are agnostic as to whether or not any god exists. There's uh, there's uh, personal people who believe in a personal god, people believe in an impersonal god, and. uh whatever the case uh, i think you can make a case for uh, the existence of absolute truth and man's ability to know truth and uh... from there i think we can give evidence for uh, the existence of an infinite intelligent moral personal god this is what i call the cumulative case for god when i debated uh, uh... one of america's leading atheists, michael martin over the internet i used uh... what i call the cumulative case for god basically i I look upon uh, the theistic view of God as uh, an explanation, and uh, I think it's a more reasonable explanation uh, than any other world view has produced uh, for uh, certain aspects of God's experience. I, I've got my notes here, but there there's really isn't time to get into the cumulative case, but it would deal things uh, with things such as the beginning of the universe, the continued existence of the universe design and order found in the universe, the possibility of human knowledge, uh, moral values. And uh, I think when you just look upon all these things, the type of universe in which we live, um, uh, I think the best explanation uh, is the existence of the God of the Bible. Uh, From there, I would then argue uh, for... uh, the other aspects of Christianity from historical evidence, I would argue that the New Testament is a, a historically reliable document. Uh, 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 I would provide evidence for Christ's resurrection, his deity, evidence for the Bible as God's Word, and then evidence for the biblical view uh, of, of salvation. Uh, another thing that the, the Christian theist must do in refuting pluralism uh... is show that christianity is internally consistent uh... john hick has argued that the doctrine of the incarnation uh... god the second person of the trinity becoming a man he has argued that that is contradictory and so basically uh... the christian there would need to argue uh... that uh... jesus christ being fully god and fully man is not a contradiction and uh... uh a lot of what John Hick defines as being a, a man, uh, John Hick is really using what is merely a man. Someone who is a man who doesn't also have a divine nature. Um, and uh, uh, Tom Morris from Notre Dame, I think, has really uh, uh, refuted uh, uh, John Hick on this particular point in a, in a, in a very adequate fashion. Uh, attributes common to all mankind except Christ may not be essential. Uh, and then that's another issue that comes up. But ba- basically, we would have to, to refute Hick, we would have to argue that the incarnation is not contradictory. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm just I'm going to move down to point F just uh, d- due to lack of time, but the, the, uh, we would have to argue for the superiority of Christian theism over other religions. I would argue that uh, atheism fails to uh, explain uh, several key aspects to the universe in which we live. It either e- explains things away like morality, or accepts that they're just there. Rather than providing an adequate explanation, I would also argue that pantheism fails, polytheism, uh, you know. In short, if you Christianity versus pluralism, I think you've got and it's basically every aspect that is essential to Christianity has to be defended so uh what I'm getting at is it it's it's an entirely different way uh christianity views the the universe in an entirely different way than the uh pluralistic mindset so uh um and then I would argue that history proves Christianity to be superior to the other theistic faiths the, the Islamic faith and Judaism both hold a the belief in a personal God yet they uh reject Jesus as uh God incarnate and the Savior of mankind, and I would argue that the Christian God is more just uh, than the uh, gods of other religions. He, uh, the Christian God is a God who cannot forgive sin unless it has been paid for in full, uh, and that rebellion against God, the ultimately worthy being, deserves the ultimate in punishment. Uh, I would argue that the Christian God is more loving. Uh, in that he sent his son to die in our place as a substitute sacrifice and uh, that the Christian God is so loving that he will not force his salvation on mankind. Uh, I would also argue that the Christian view of salvation makes more sense because you have uh, the limited man not able to reach the unlimited God on his own, therefore salvation must be the work of the unlimited God. And finally, I would close uh, with this, uh, uh, another point on the failure of pluralism, is that pluralism is either going to teach that everyone will eventually be saved, or it's going to teach, no, some people won't be saved. Now, if it has this universal aspect and teaches that everybody's going to be saved, then I I really don't think that there's any incentive to choose pluralism. Because even if uh, an exclusivistic religion like Christianity saves uh, why choose pluralism? Just in case, just in case the eclu- exclusivistic religion might might be the only religion that saves. People ne- should look into the exclusivistic religions, just in case. I mean, because uh, even if you end up in, a, in an exclusivistic religion, and pluralism is true, you're going to be saved anyway. Uh, but if it doesn't have this universal aspect, if it doesn't. Uh, if it teaches that no, you have to be a pluralist in order to be saved, then pluralism uh, becomes just another exclusivistic religion. Okay, so I, I think there's a dilemma there uh, for pluralism in, in the uh, uh, religious uh, sphere. Uh, but that's that's about all I have, and I know that was really fast, and it's it's it's, it's impossible to do a a real in-depth job, even if uh, even if uh, you know, we had several hours to discuss this issue. You know, entire books have been written on it, and unfortunately even those books have to just barely touch upon the issues. Now, uh, I mentioned John Hick and Clark Pinnock. Uh, uh, at a Talbot's uh, school of theology, uh, Douglas uh, Givette, uh is probably the foremost defender of Christian exclusivism. By the By the way, a lot of Christian exclusivists are now calling themselves uh, particularists which really confuses me because it sounds so much like pluralists that uh... i'd rather just call myself an exclusivist even though it's a bad word in, in politically correct circles but that's about all i have so uh... if you have any questions i'd be more than willing to uh... uh... To, to try to respond to those questions and and uh... mark and chris if uh... if there if you want to jump in at any time go, go right ahead if there's a question that uh... Why don't you go ahead and start, since you had some questions. Oh, I was just about this thing here. Go
2: ahead. Go ahead. You
1: can, you can. Well, what, what was your question? It, were you asking uh, whether or not this pertains to some metaphysical issues or some epistemological issues mm-hmm. concerning truth or reality? Well, it's
2: going in depth
1: into how, why it's... Real. Pluralism, and mm-hmm. what this was to talk about what pluralism is. Mm-hmm. So, you spent a little time on talking about pluralism and all of that,
2: mm-hmm. what you're
1: refuting, but I need a more in depth picture of what there's to refute.
0: Yeah, and, and, and basically, where is I know that you mentioned that uh, uh, how would you define pluralism in the uh, uh, religious setting, and and uh, and he, um Do you, uh, for instance The Christian says that you know, a person can only be saved through Jesus. You yeah. can't be saved apart from Jesus. Do you agree with that? No. Okay, and, and wh- why not? Um, uh, why not? Now, I'm just basically what I'm, what I'm trying to get from you is uh, do. Do you, do you consider yourself? Religiously speaking, a pluralist. Mm, no. Okay. Uh, do, do you know what you could do? Are you just agnostic in the religious area, or no? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm just and I'm just trying to. um
1: in pluralism. I
0: have
1: to say, it leads to God. Mm. I mean, I remember talking about pluralism just briefly. I've not really gone into that much it but. At best, they would
0: substitute a god for the word substance. Yeah, even beyond that, even I can I can even see difficulties with uh, defining it as that. Like all religions lead to a god. Uh, It it would probably would have been better if I would have put all religions lead to salvation. But there would still be objections there. See, and and the the problem is, is uh, not only with defining what pluralism is because there's so much diversity within the different religions. But there's really no even agreed-upon definition of what is a religion.
2: Uh,
0: so uh, uh, usually they, you define like, I think the vaguest definition of a religion that I've heard in uh, philosophy of religion circles is that it's it's uh, uh, basically a, some knowledge of the transcendent and uh, uh, basically man's Uh, attempt uh... to reach some form of communion with the transcendent that which transcends our earthly experience so so uh... basically uh... you're not going to have a whole lot of agreement on even what the word uh... religions mean and uh... and uh, I'm, i'm also not intending this particular you know i don't uh... i think a guy who's open to christianity very rarely can you lead that particular guy to Christ in 20 minutes, um, but to come at with two totally different worldviews in a small amount of time, I'm just basically showing what what pluralism, what uh, what kind of issues it raises within the the historic Christian worldview. But
1: you're just talking
0: about religious pluralism. Yeah, and and and, and I I don't even know if I was uh,
2: I'm, I'm going, uh, really. Pluralism, as it exists through the postmodern phenomenon, and it really only exists in religious structures. Unless <laughs> uh, you know, Leslie Vivian uh, says that there's two categories that come about. One of belief, and one of God. And belief is where really, uh, truth can't, at least the perceptions, no ultimate truth can be discerned. So you throw in there are things like values, or morality, or religion, and those things are beliefs. And then in the hard sciences, we have the end of God you don't get a lot of pluralism in the hard sciences you don't get a lot of guys to say well gravity holds for some people it doesn't hold like for others you know, there's they hold to some physical laws in the hard sciences so really when you talk talking pluralism you immediately jump into you know, the morality and the, uh, the religious end because that, that t- it tends to live in the, you know, in the social sciences and the liberal arts not the
0: hard sciences and let me say this too is and I might have misunderstood exactly what the the, the, the topic uh, that Chris wanted me here for but uh, even the way that uh, Mark uh, defined it uh, I'm only dealing with one very small aspect of that and it's it's kind of the uh, uh, the, the debate within professing Christendom about whether uh, Christianity, uh, is pluralistic, inclusivistic, or exclusivistic. So so I'm only dealing with... It's just like if, if what he said, just to give you an illustrate, if what he said is a, a pie, the pie called pluralism, I'm dealing with one slice of the pie. So even though um, what he's saying is that pluralism automatically is going to uh, uh, be a, that portion of reality that deals with uh, religion and morality. Well, um, I'm, I'm even dealing with a very slim, slimmer slice than that. So I'm, I'm kind of dealing with it within the Christian debate, and may, maybe uh, I'm taking a, a thinner slice than than you would have liked. No. Um, uh, but but as you can see, even from this thin slice, you know, I basically
1: uh, yeah. Because you
0: can on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the thing is too is even with this. This then, of a slice, what I've listed here is basically an overview of about three or four different college-level courses that I taught. So I mean, as thin as this slice is, there, there's still so much that needs to be said. But uh, but, but but I. So what, what Mark's saying is pluralism as a whole, even outside of the uh, debates within Christendom, there's a, a wider realm. At the same time, you're still dealing with the religion. Uh, people's overall worldviews, what are moral values, what is truth, things like that, kind of the ultimate questions. Because even you being a
1: philosophy major, you would deal with uh, pluralism in, say, epistemology as, say, skepticism, right, with respect to knowing truth, right? That's how a pluralist would describe their epistemology. Or, say, in metaphysics, the, the guy, someone would say, no, I'm a... Uh, I'm a, a metaphysical relativist, right? I don't think there's any one one reality that we're all trying to discover. That
0: everyone has their own reality and creates their own little world. Yeah, and see, when Christianity takes a very bold, and again the word exclusive, uh, exclusive view of reality, that the view of re, the view of this world. Uh, proclaimed in the scriptures is the one true view of reality and that's what makes an exclusivist exclusive uh, um, and, and that, it, it, that's not very popular today um, uh, you know in, in, in uh, quote unquote politically correct circles for somebody to say uh, my religion is right and all other religions are wrong you know that, that that's viewed in uh in very, you know, very negative light. At the same time, that is the historic Christian position. And uh, and so, what I try to respond to today is just how the how the Christian needs to respond to that within professing Christendom. Now, once you step outside of professing Christendom, uh, for instance, with, with, with Clark Pinnock, uh, uh, if I was debating Clark Pinnock today, the whole debate, the entire debate could possibly uh, stem from the scriptures themselves because Clark Pinnock uh, professes to believe that the Bible is inerrant and is the inspired word of God now that at least he does today, I don't know where he's going to be tomorrow, but uh, John Hick on the other hand has a much lower view of scriptures there are errors in the Bible, it's not the inspired word of God, it's a work of men and so with John Hick, it would be more of a, a philosophical-type debate. Uh, but there is a certain degree... In the in the writings of Hick, you're going to find uh, an awful lot of Christian presuppositions that he may not even be aware of. So it's still, for all practical purposes, a debate within uh, uh, Christendom. Uh, but once you go outside of that, then... And, and dialogue becomes hard gets harder and harder the further you get away the further your worldview is from somebody else's worldview and uh... uh and so the pluralistic picture as a whole uh, coming more from let's say uh... let's say a, a hinduistic mindset um, it becomes incredibly difficult to dialogue at, at that particular point uh, but I, as a Christian, would would agree with someone like Cornelius Van Til, a Christian scholar, who argued that just to think, just to communicate, people from other worldviews have to borrow capital uh, from the Christian worldview so that there's going to be common ground because we do live in the same universe. And so, though I think uh, communication becomes more difficult, I think communication can take place, uh, but it takes a lot more effort. So.
1: Well, what about... Uh... I mean, how has this affected, say, you know, university campuses? I mean, or just society in general? This whole idea that, you know, truth is relative or morality is relative. Can
2: I ask you real
0: quick? What's the difference yeah. between pluralism and relativism? Because you're kind of friends. are so not. Like, we're second cousins. cousins.
2: Yeah, they're like brothers
0: to Yeah. They love each other a lot. Yeah,
2: pluralism, relativism, is sort of the to help with terrorism and realism would say multitudes of different opinions and perspectives on a particular issue can all be uh, collected. And the reason they would say that is they would say that there's no transcendence, there's nothing that exists above the system. For example, in the surrounding let's say uh, you pick a particular particular political issue and there's 50 different positions about it. They would say there's there's nothing above that system to determine which is right or which is wrong, so say, it's a pluralistic. It, uh, the only thing that we can have is everybody holding to their position on a particular issue, and there's no court of arbitration to go to. So that's pluralism. And relativism comes along, out, and says, "And equal do you see where those sort of go together?"
1: So, so pluralism is saying truth cannot be known, and then relativism says, "Well." Since the truth cannot be known, then any belief or, or any value is equally valid. Exactly. Exactly.
2: i would see
1: what's
2: exactly. So really, they are pretty pretty worthless
1: to The same with skepticism. I mean, you can kind of you know these words are kind of interchangeable. Skepticism, relativism, pluralism. And
0: there are those two that are that are. since they, they've given up on the idea of absolute truth, something that must be true for all people at all times and all places, uh, people are beginning to choose their views not by their intellect but by their feelings. And, uh, uh, but I also see a trend where uh, if you if you, kinda, if you get enough people who feel like believing what you believe, and uh, if you can gain enough power then you can kind of force those views on others who disagree with you with a, with a vengeance and uh, and uh... for instance in some new age circles that's becoming real uh... real popular uh, A lady like barbara marx hubbard talking about how uh... one quarter of the world's population is not ready to accept man's deity therefore uh... we need to remove them so uh... so e- e- even though it is it, it, basically it is like this uh, okay christians are dogmatic they believe that there are certain things that are definitely true and therefore the negation of those things is definitely false so bertrand russell said and he was an atheist you know he didn't like dogmatist he called himself a freethinker he says it's, it's wrong to be dogmatic at the same time to be total to be a total skeptic is just as dogmatic as being a dogmatist because the, the skeptic dogmatically suspends judgment on all things but he's dogmatic about his skepticism so Bertrand Russell said therefore we need to play the middle of the road Now that sounds real nice but my question to Bertrand Russell, if he was still alive, w- w- would be, are you d- really? Are you dogmatic about uh, us being in the middle of the road? You see, what Bertrand Russell failed to realize is that there is no such thing as a non-dogmatic person. You can talk all the toleration that you want until you're blue in the face, but the fact of the matter is you can't tolerate people that you view are intolerant, and you just aren't, aren't able to see your own intolerance so but the fact of the matter is just the way we think we gotta be dogmatic about something even if you think man can't know anything you eventually become dogmatic in uh... your view that man is uh, unable to know things so, um, but i think that's just the way truth is i think that's just the way uh... man's uh... intellectual processes are that we think and we communicate in terms of antithesis some things are true the negation of those things are false and uh... we can pretend that we reject absolute truth but uh, even to deny the existence of absolute truth we have to uh, actually affirm uh, uh, its existence let's get some
1: I have a question about
2: history proves Christianity superior to other
0: religious or faiths yeah, basically um, what I would argue along those lines, I would argue for uh, that first that the New Testament manuscripts are, as we have them today, uh, are historically reliable. Uh, I would go into the manuscript evidence itself to show that the uh, out of all ancient manuscripts, the New Testament documents are by far the most reliable. I mean, you've got over 26,000 ancient New Testament manuscripts or portions of the New Testament, uh, whereas with something like uh, Plato's writings you only have uh, seven copies. Uh, Homer's Iliad, second place to the New Testament, has 643 copies. So you've got more manuscripts. Then the agreement between these manuscripts um, is a much higher percentage of agreement uh, than you would find in Homer's Iliad, which again is in second place among ancient manuscripts uh, also the gap between when the new testament was supposedly written and uh, uh... the oldest uh... copy existing copy that we have is a smaller gap with the new testament than with any other writing ancient writing by far uh, so basically you use the same test on the new testament that you use on all other manuscripts and the new testament comes out head and shoulders above all other ancient writings the reason why people don't question Plato's I mean the, you got a 1200 year gap between the oldest copy of Plato's writings that we have and when Plato supposedly wrote but nobody nobody questions that this doesn't represent what was originally written the, the, the problem with the New Testament where the gap is it could be as low as 25 to 35 years uh, Carson P. Thede's work shows it could be even less than that um, but basically with the uh, use the same test, and the New Testament is by far superior but the problem is uh, the New Testament uh, makes s- s- certain truth claims that if they are in fact true it's gonna cause a drastic change in our lives it's gonna cause us to bow before the Lord Jesus accept him as Savior come off the throne of our lives and admit that we better get with God's program because he's in charge so it's a very convicting message and um, and so I think that's why uh, Christianity has been questioned, not because of any historical evidence against it. But beyond that, you can go to the writings of the, the pupils of the apostles. Now, the, they're called the Apostolic fathers, the fathers. They were the leaders in the early church. Uh, John Hick argues that the deity of Christ, Jesus, he, he argues that Jesus never taught that he was God, never claimed to be God, This was a legend that developed in the early church. But if you go to the pupils of the apostles, uh, Polycarp, who was a pupil of the apostle John, Ignatius, uh, Clement de Rome, these guys also teach that Jesus is God. And Clement de Rome was writing 95 AD. The apostle John was still breathing. Uh, So basically uh, it takes several centuries for legends to develop uh, you don't have that kind of time. There are even ancient creeds in the Bible that predate the, the writing of the New Testament. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11, uh, which talks about Paul talks about Jesus being God. And this is a, an, an ancient creed which predates the New Testament. So uh, uh, basically what it amounts to is that the New Testament is not legends, it's eyewitness testimony.